Welcome to Rebecca Reads. Today's episode will be just a little different. I wanted to share some of Aesop's fables with you for a main story. Each one is pretty short, so I'm going to share four of these with you today. Because those four fables don't take up a lot of time, I wanted to share a bit of a longer poem with you. So after the fables, I'm going to give you an introduction to the poem and ask you questions about it afterwards. So you get to answer double the questions today. Aesop was a slave and storyteller in ancient Greece. It is believed that he lived between 620 and 564 BCE. His stories were told by word of mouth through the centuries and were finally written down much later. It is believed that not all of the fables we attribute to Aesop are actually his, but many of them are. How amazing is it that we are able to tell stories today that were told thousands of years ago? These short stories of Aesop's are called fables. Do you know what a fable is? Well, I'm going to tell you. A fable is a short story where the characters are usually animals and the purpose is to teach a moral. After each fable, listen for the moral you should learn from that story. And now for four different fables by Aesop. The Goose and the Golden Egg there was once a countryman who possessed the most wonderful goose you can imagine, for every day when he visited the nest, the goose had laid a beautiful, glittering, golden egg. The countryman took the eggs to market and soon began to get rich. But it was not long before he grew impatient with the goose, because she gave him only a single golden egg a day. He was not getting rich fast enough. Then one day, after he had finished counting his money, the idea came to him that he could get all the golden eggs at once by killing the goose and cutting it open. But when the deed was done, not a single golden egg did he find, and his precious goose was dead. Moral, those who have plenty want more, and so lose all they have. The Lion and the Mouse A lion lay asleep in the forest, his great head resting on his paws. A timid little mouse came upon him unexpectedly, and in her fright and haste to get away, ran across the lion's nose. Roused from his nap, the lion laid his huge paw angrily on the tiny creature to kill her. Spare me, begged the poor mouse. Please let me go, and some day I will surely repay you. The lion was much amused to think that a mouse could ever help him, but he was generous and finally let the mouse go. Some days later, while stalking his prey in the forest, the lion was caught in the toils of a hunter's net. Unable to free himself, he filled the forest with his angry roaring. The mouse knew the voice and quickly found the lion struggling in the net. Running to one of the great ropes that bound him, she gnawed it until it parted, and soon the lion was free. "'You laughed when I said I would repay you,' said the mouse. Now you see that even a mouse can help a lion. Moral, a kindness is never wasted. The Ants and the Grasshopper One bright day in late autumn, a family of ants were bustling about in the warm sunshine, drying out the grain they had stored up during the summer, when a starving grasshopper, his fiddle under his arm, came up and humbly begged for a bite to eat. What? cried the ants in surprise. Haven't you stored anything away for the winter? What in the world were you doing all last summer? I didn't have time to store up any food, whined the grasshopper. I was so busy making music that before I knew it, the summer was gone. 
The ants shrugged their shoulders in disgust. Making music were you, they cried. Very well, now dance. And they turned their backs on the grasshopper and went on with their work. Moral, there's a time for work and a time for play. The Crow and the Pitcher In a spell of dry weather, when the birds could find very little to drink, a thirsty crow found a pitcher with a little water in it. But the pitcher was high and had a narrow neck, and no matter how he tried, the crow could not reach the water. The poor thing felt as if he must die of thirst. Then an idea came to him. Picking up some small pebbles, he dropped them into the pitcher one by one. With each pebble, the water rose a little higher, until at last it was near enough so he could drink. Moral. In a pinch, a good use of our wits may help us out. Thank you for listening to these fables. What did you think of them? Do you think the moral given was the actual lesson to learn from each story? Are there any other lessons you can learn from these stories? Could you write a fable? Why don't you give it a try? Our poem for today is The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. We have read a poem by him before. His writings are pretty dreary, but I would encourage my older listeners to read his short stories. I probably won't read any of them on this podcast. They are geared toward an older audience, but they are worth a read. Poe was born in 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts. He was orphaned at a young age and was taken in by the Allen family of Richmond, Virginia. He made a lot of poor choices growing up, and when he started writing, he was not very successful at first. It was the death of his wife that inspired the poem The Raven, and it made him immediately popular. His popularity grew and fell over the next few years, but he just was not a very happy person. He continued to make bad choices, and he died in 1849 in Baltimore, Maryland. His stories and poems have a sense of loss to them, but they are so beautifully written. That's why they have lasted until now. And now for The Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my book's surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here for evermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, this it is, and nothing more." Presently my soul grew stronger hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore, but the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. 
but the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore? This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely it is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and a flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he. But, with mane of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird, beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, Though thy crest be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled, this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door with such name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till he scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master, whom unmerciful disaster followed fast, and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of the bird and bust and door. Then, upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy into fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er. But whose velvet-violet lining in the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by these angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. 
prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if with the distant Aiden it shall clasp a saint and maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word of our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked up starting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door, and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. And that was the raven. What did you think of it? Did you like it? What was the tone of the poem? Was it happy or sad? Was it a little scary? A lot of times when people read poetry, they try to guess what the author means by writing it. What do you think Edgar Allan Poe was trying to say with this poem? And that is another episode of Rebecca Reads. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single story. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave me a review. Make sure you keep reading and come back next week for another episode of Rebecca Reads.